if I didn't think someone had it in for Liverpool after these Saturday 12.30 kickoffs after Europa League games than I do now after dubious red cards and absolutely debacle, absolutely out of order offside calls. This is onto the ball. But Travis, thanks for making me come on today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what is life, mate? What is life? I honestly, honestly, last night, honestly, honestly, where do we start? I cannot believe the 90 minutes that I've seen yesterday. I know um, I should have said it before the game started, but I thought as long as we go to Spurs and lose fairly, I'll be fine. But I just had this feeling. I should have tweeted it and then everyone would think I was like Nostradamus. Um, I just had this feeling that we were going to get screwed over by something to do with VAR. But I didn't think it'd be on the magnitude of that. Um, As a rival fan, you must have been laughing your head off. But it was almost unbelievable what was happening. We've got to start with the Luis Diaz goal. As soon as he scored it, I jumped on my Liverpool group chat. I said, that's onside. It's onside. We're 1-0 up. Down to 10 men, we're 1-0 up. This is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, They showed us still of it, saying it was going to VAR. And I was like, it's sound VAR. We'll sort this out. Don't even need to see lines. You could tell with the lines on the pitch. I was like, this is brilliant. The next minute, check complete. Referee whistle like nothing had ever happened. And I think everyone was in shock. Yeah. Everyone was like, what on earth is going on? May- not mainly because was it or wasn't it offside. Yeah. It was like, where were the lines? Where were the lines drawn to I show think, yeah. what they're doing? And I think that's what escaped everyone. So it wasn't until half time and people started putting things on Twitter and social media that you are like thinking, what on earth has gone on here? Well, yeah, I mean, the explanation I sent to you today was what happened, but it's it's, it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking, to be honest with you, how they've come to that sort of conclusion. I mean, as I explained to you from the tweet, they thought the on-field decision was a goal, and that's why they didn't put the lines on, because it was a quick check to confirm that it was basically onside. That's what they said. That's what VAR are saying. But- yeah, but even still, even still, when the referee goes to take the free kick, surely VAR's like, hello, come in, come in. Uh, what's his name? Simon Hooper. Yeah, what are you doing, mate? Why is it not in the centre? Like, it's a goal. Like, he'd let it all happen. Once you've made that decision, apparently you're not allowed to overturn it, which again is something... Ri- yeah, but from him saying check complete, there was 35 mm. seconds until Spurs took the free kick. So for 35 seconds, and don't forget there's assistant VAR, and I think there might even be a third VAR. So there's three VAR in the studio, the ref on the pitch, and listen, when Virgil van Dijk got that red card against Newcastle, did you watch that show mic'd up with Howard Webb and Michael Owen? And I've got to admit it was good. It was a good show. Uh, I lost... I lost it a bit on Twitter because one of the ones they went through was the Kai Havertz penalty against Man United. Now, to yeah. me, all day long, that was a penalty. You could even yeah. see the contact, which they said, oh, it wasn't enough. There wasn't enough contact. Kai Havertz went down. Well, but when you're running at speed, 
there was contact to make him break his stride. And whether it was soft or not, he went down, he took the invitation. To me, it's yeah. a penalty. But anyway, let's not digress. Yeah. They went through the Virgil van Dijk one, and it was overkill. It was mm-hmm. like, uh, come in. Yeah, hang on a minute. Right, run it back. So what am I checking? Uh, you're checking the foul. Van Dijk takes him out before the ball. Okay, yeah, hang on a minute. He's saying to Virgil, hang on a minute. If this is a foul, it's a red card. It's a goal-scoring chance. And you can hear Virgil, oh, no, that's not right. He's like, hang yeah. on, hang on. Right, run me through it. So he clears the man. For, it was almost boring, the, mm. the level of detail they went to. Yeah. So you go to last night, when Luis Diaz scores the goal. Yeah. And the, the linesman put his flag up rightly. I've seen people slagging him for saying, the linesman's just as much at fault for putting no, his flag up. What What is wrong with you? Side. It's it's not he might not have he might not have thought it was offside. It's one of them that are so close that you put it up and say it might have been offside. It was so fast. So take a look. VAR bailers all out. It's fine. Just I'm just basically putting up my flag. To say take a look at it. But he don't have to put his flag up, does he? Like he no, doesn't have to. It's offside. But yeah. like, like like you said, it's tight. But he won't. He doesn't have to put it up. He's put it up because he thinks. Yeah, it's but offside. no. But it's one of them that the the linesmen have their own pride as well. So it's almost like where they think VAR will sort it out no matter what. But my integrity and ability as a linesman, if I he's got a 50-50 choice, if I put it up and it's offside, they'll be like, I tell you what, that linesman's shit up. He's seen it. He's, it was so fast, but he's seen it. He's a great linesman, wouldn't they? So yeah. that's why they put it up. They almost p- p- place their vote. And yeah. it doesn't matter because I know it'll go to VAR and they'll tell me whether it was a one, but they're almost voting. I've got a feeling that might have been offside, so I'll put it up. If it was blatantly not offside, then of course they'd keep it down and be like, VAR will sort it again anyway, but it was not offside, so I don't need to put my flag up. He's basically just casting his vote by putting the flag up, knowing VAR will sort him out. But at the point last night that VAR, why didn't they do all that overkill? All right, Simon Hooper. If anything, if anything oh. what you just said makes it worse because they think that on field decision is offside. So they should yeah, have been yeah. checking to make sure it's on offside. Do you know what I mean? So when check, when they say check's complete, the check should have been complete in that it was onside. So if anything, VAR should should have been going against what the on-field decision was. Yes. That's why it doesn't make sense. So if you check So it, what was the VAR guy doing? Was he in the toilet? I don't and know. come back from the toilet and was like, what's happened? Luis Diaz has scored. Right, the yeah. linesman... Um, the linesman is irrelevant at that point then, isn't it? Yeah, how did they not Because the VAR didn't know that he flagged. That's what they're saying. Yeah, that's VAR what didn't saying. know that flagged. So he's looked at it. I don't need lines. It's well onside. Yeah, Get the linesman. VAR, VAR think the ref's on the final decision was a goal, but they shouldn't have because the linesman put his flag up. And I think that's that's quite important in the piece because I know you've said they, they're sort of guessing, but the, the, the referee's not in line with it. He literally can't see. He that's what you have linesmen for because they they are in bang in line with it, and he thinks it's offside. So then, when they go to VAR, the referee should be saying, "Can you check that is offside, please?" And VAR should be intervening, and saying, "No, it's not offside. It's a legitimate goal." Yeah, that's so it's a double, it's a double edged sword, isn't it? Yeah, we've been not- let down by the VAR, and we've been let down by the on pitch ref taking control of the VAR and talking mm. to him like that. Ref did when Virgil van Dijk got sent off against Newcastle. He should have been yeah. like, tell me what you see. The the play was Luis Diaz. Salah played it. If you draw the lines, he's onside. If he's onside, I'm giving the go. He should. He, the ref cannot have been doing all that. No. 
So they must have all been sat there in silence. And this is the bit that I don't know. Is the linesman mic'd up with the ref and VAR? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know that. That's one thing that I don't know. I've got a feeling it's just the ref. Um, but at that point, so it was like everyone sat, sat there in silence. 20 seconds passed and all they had was check complete. And they carried on with the game. They just need to review like the whole system because to me, if it's that tight, like they just need to play it on the screen and the ref just goes over to the screen anyway and just has a look like it doesn't. Travis, you're talking about normal VAR, aren't you? Because it is yeah. quite tight. We've just mm. explained like the overkill with a Virgil van Dyke red card. Yeah. It is. It's There's nothing to sort. This is two men and however many are in the VAR, so three or four, all mm. in. All been in on corruption. That's all I can put it down as. I'm sorry, but they're all in on it. They all decided, let's do 20% of our job here. Let's not even discuss the offside. Let's not even discuss the flag. Let's not even discuss that you've drew the lines. You've took your time. Let's not discuss that you've confirmed it was offside. They've just sat there in silence and said, check complete. That is gross, gross negligence. But what worries me the most about the whole thing is how did VAR come to the conclusion that the ref gave a goal when the lino put his flag up? That doesn't make any sense. If the linesman puts his flag up, they must have thought the on-field decision was offside. So how did they think it was onside to say check complete without drawing the lines? Because that's the reason they didn't draw the lines because yeah, they I mean. gave a goal and they looked at it and it was onside. So it's like the VAR were in the toilet. They were <laughs> in the toilet and missed it and come out and looked at the screen like, what's happened? Oh, Luis Diaz has scored. Oh, well, is he onside? Yeah, he's onside. Check complete. So yeah, I think it's the ref's fault, mainly, to be honest, because the ref... Because they're saying, yep, yeah, we're just checking for offside. They, they, obviously, VAR have just gone, right, we're just checking for offside. And they just think the ref's given the goal. They've probably not even looked at the liner. So like you said, they they might. it's not really even their job to look at the linesman, whether he's put the flag up or not. They should have information from that referee to say, right, the linesman is given offside. Or like you said, the linesman should be mic'd up and said, I think this is offside. Can you check this decision that I've made that is offside? Because they've obviously not communicated anything to him. They've just said to him, can you just check that over? They think he's given a goal. VAR's gone, yep, check complete. Goal, Sam, we don't need the lines. We can see it's onside. But then I don't understand how it's equated to an offside. Like the ref just hasn't communicated that at all. Yeah, you're right. It's a great point. This is fully on the ref. Yeah. Because he wasn't in the line. So he's gone off the linesman who said it's offside. Yeah. Okay. He hasn't done due diligence in yeah. communicating with the VAR. He's just stood yeah. there waiting for confirmation yeah. that it's offside. Yeah. The VAR hasn't been asked the right questions. He hasn't yeah. talked it through. And he, they've just checked it and gone check complete. They've just checked complete. Yeah. That yeah. is, this is corrupt. Yeah. I'm sorry, but this is absolutely corrupt. Yeah. The amount of decisions going against us. And I know I said it. Before, but the Alexis McAllister red card against Bournemouth. Yeah. How can you have VAR and red cards rescinded on appeal? That, that It's not possible for them two things to exist in the same world anymore. Because they've already checked it, isn't it? They've checked it. VAR has said it's a red card. So how can there be an appeal? Because they're, they're not good. That makes it subjective, card. doesn't it? 
Yeah, exactly. That's that's the whole point. That's why I've always said that VAR should be used for only factual stuff. They might as well just let the ref ref the game. But even they're getting the factual stuff wrong now. Like that's how bad it's got. Because, like you said, you just put lines on and you can see every single decision. The computer's doing it for you. And like you said, they're not communicating anymore. The refs are just saying, Yeah, can you check it? They don't even know what they're checking. That's what I'm saying. And and like yeah. it shouldn't, like you said. They've just corresponding it to the decision that the refs made and they're getting lazy now, not putting lines on and stuff. If something's that tight, they should just wipe the slate clean, if anything, and just say, right, we're going to check whether this is onside or not. Like, forget what the ref said, forget what the lino said. If anything, in some ways, you don't even need a linesman in some respects because they're yeah. not using the linesman. They, they might as well not have him yeah. because the linesman's putting his flag up and it's the wrong decision, but they've still gone to the linesman's decision. It doesn't make any sense, does it? So what's the point in having linesmen, apart from whether the ball goes out for a throw and you decide which way it goes? Because the linesman has no impact on offside. The whistle got blown. VAR said check complete. They didn't even know what they were checking for. They just saw that it was onside. The linesman gave offside. They said check complete. They thought they were checking whether it was onside. Drew no lines on and they've come to the wrong decision. So corruption... It, it, it's a word that's very, very strong, but it's it's just downright incompetence. Like everyone is just not doing their job properly. They don't know how to do it. But this is my this yeah. is my problem, Trav. Yeah, go on. And obviously, I want you to firmly keep on your Man United rivals hat. Okay, I want yeah. that's important here. Okay, so yeah. I know you'll give an unbiased opinion, but the decision stacking up against Liverpool in only seven games is frightening. Mm. Like, it feels like this is a cartel. It feels like there's a union against Liverpool. And I'm, I ain't silly. This will go back to last season when Klopp had that very public spat with Paul Tierney. They mm. would have all rounded and think, Jurgen Klopp's out of order here. He's gone in on a ref, make it questioning our integrity. They yeah. will be in the, the ref's union as they are. And I can you can just feel it. We're going to get no rubber the green. If there's anything that's 50-50 or subjective, it will go against us. You can actually, you can see it, you can feel it, you can smell it. I mean, no one's had it like us in the first seven games. We've had four red cards in seven games. I think we've only had one red card the whole of last season. And now I've had four in seven games. And we're not a dirty team. There's still not a tackle or anything that's happened in them seven games that can warrant anyone to be a dirty player or fully deserving of a red card. Diogo Jota yesterday, the first yellow wasn't even a yellow. He didn't even break his stride to bring down the player. He just ran behind him and the player tripped over his own feet. That wasn't a yellow card. The second one, yeah, it was stupid. That was a yellow, all right? I'm not going to be pedantic here. The second was a yellow. He lost the ball. He lunged in. Yellow card, that's fine. But the Curtis Jones one, I want to pick your brains about this, okay? Because I'm going to be consistent as as well, yeah? Last yeah. season when Casemiro went over the ball and got a red card, I said to you that was a red card all day long. Yeah. Okay? And I meant that. That wasn't just Liverpool rivalry. Yeah, of course. It, it was a red card. Yesterday's, it wasn't a red card. Why? The way he went in with his boot was to bring the ball away from the defender yeah. and it unfortunately rolled over the ball so that the sphere of the ball rolled over the ball onto his leg. Hmm. When you made that still for the ref to go over and have a look at VAR, take a look at the screen, 
that, I mean, even you as a rival fan, right? I smelt it straight away. It was on a still of his leg fully planted on his shin. It was yeah. a still. When have you ever seen that? As a Man United fan, I don't mind if you want to wind me up, yeah. but did you look at that and think, that's a setup? Why is he? Why is the first picture of his straight leg on the guy's shin like that? Did you smell a rat? The Casemiro one, there were a lot of stills of that incident as well. There were a lot of stills of that, do you know what I mean? And I think back even, forget them challenges, and I'll come back to the Curtis Jones one because I do want to give my opinion on it. But exactly the same, Rodri got sent off for the the grab against, um, they played, was it Nottingham Forest the other week or somebody? Yeah, I think he grabbed um, Morgan Gibbs-White around the throat. And all over TalkSport, they said that he was theatrical and made a meal of it. And Casemiro did exactly the same thing. If not, it wasn't even as bad against Will Hughes last season against Palace and got sent. Maybe said it's a definite red. So I know what you're saying. Do you know when it's your own team as well, you're going to feel it more? Because we've had four games in a row where we've had a disallowed goal. Like Johnny Evans against Burnley, headed it. Someone was stood in front of the keeper, disallowed. Man City, exactly the same type of goal. Um, where Akanji heads it, Nathan Aki heads it, Akanji's blocking the keeper, the goal gets given. So it's like the stand, everyone's getting it, like bad. And I know you'll feel victimised, like you probably have added a little bit more than other teams. Like with the Yeah, no, to be, to be fair, Trav, I, I'm not even going to argue the Curtis Jones one. Yeah. I can see them given. Yeah, yeah, you can. Okay, so I'm not going to be yeah. like, no way, Trav, that wasn't a... Re-. I'm, I've seen them given and I'm yeah. not arguing it. But what I am arguing was the way it was set up for the ref. Yeah, the first yeah, thing yeah. when you go over the screen is this horrible still, freezed, not even slow yeah, motion. The first still is, look, look at this leg breaker ref. So he's almost telling him to send him off just well, based on that, that still. That is what, that's what they go over to the screen for. Like, they don't go over to the screen unless they're overturning an on-field decision. That's literally it. So like you yeah, said... No, but just just play it. Play it in normal time and a couple of times in slow motion on loop. Play it, Brave play it, play it. I, 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 I might be wrong here, but I've never seen it in a still like that. I might be wrong. Oh, bro, yeah, honestly, that's how they do it. That is how they do it. When, when the refs go into the screen, they know exactly what they want to show the ref and how they want to show it because they're basically saying, right, you've come, this is a clear and obvious error. You've come to the wrong decision. We're basically going to show you why we're overturning this. That That is literally it. You see it with penalties and everything. So... It, like you said, it should be. It shouldn't be like that. The ref should go over to the screen, and they should play at normal time from a few angles, so he can decide whether he wants to change his decision or not. The refs aren't refing the game anymore. It, yeah, this yeah. is what I'm saying. It's dead. It is dead. And this going back to last season. Come on, you must have said it. You must admit I was saying it about VAR from time. Like I think, like you said. Not necessarily the technology is bad, but the people that are running it, the people in charge or the yeah. people that are making these decisions, it stinks. And it's getting yeah. worse as well. It's getting it is. It is. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And the yeah. problem is, it's right. all these refs will favour a team, right? They'll, they'll all be into football to some extent. They'll all favour a team. They'll have family members that favour a team. I'm not saying you support the team, but yeah. they'll favour a team. Okay, so you've got a little bit of bias in there no matter what. Not only that, you will get, like I just mentioned earlier, clock going against Paul Tierney last week, you'll get history. Hmm. So you'll get things that have happened in the last five years, 10 years, bad mouthed by a manager. So you have a negative thought about that club Too in, much your, in the back of your mind. Exactly. So when you're in the VAR, 
and you can draw a bent line or you can choose not to see an angle, you're still making subjective calls. But again, the main thing yesterday was, and it was Neil Mellor on TalkSport this morning, I was listening to it. He yeah. said, the one thing that VAR was not brought in to do was re-ref the game. Yeah. It was brought in for clear and obvious. He said, yeah. my big problem with this is that the ref seen the Curtis Jones challenge yesterday. He didn't like it and he gave a yellow card. Why on earth did VAR get involved when the ref had seen it that's not clear and obvious. The ref had seen it and dealt with it. Yeah, yeah. He got involved and met, turned it into a red. When VAR really should be like, when you didn't see the challenge, play on. Well, hang on a minute, ref. Wow, that was a leg breaker. Call it back. Oh, so, yeah, you're right. VAR, red card. You Did shouldn't be allowed to game? turn the yellow into a red. Because like you said, yeah, exactly. yeah, the ref's incompetent. That was his opinion. Do you know what I mean? And like you said, if the ref's made a mistake, it should be him that decides, no one else. He is the referee. Do you know what I mean? Like those cameras are just a, another pair of eyes in case he misses something. But he's seen that and is given a decision on it. And they're basically saying, the ref, you're dead at your job. This is what it should have been. We're going to force you to change it. So if that's the way they want to go, they, they don't actually need a ref. They might as well just mic up a whistle to the stadium. <laughs> and just have man behind the computer every time there's a foul. Just a massive whistle all over the stadium, mate. Just have a, a St. Bernard dog running around the pitch with a, <laughs> one of them barrels of a red and yellow card in it. And then just... Um, <laughs> no, but you see, again, you, you're hinting another thing. The refs and the VAR, they all know each other. There's going to be a pecking order there. Yeah. A pecking order. There's going to be someone above another ref in the pecking order. Okay? So if that person in the pecking order is not respected as much and he's in VAR, is he going to call down to the ref and say, you've made a mistake. You've missed the red card. You've got to overturn it. You're not very good at your job. He's Amazing. not going to do it, is he? And no. he? It'll be a confident, confident VAR ref that overrules someone on the pitch like yesterday. That's a, a red card instead of a yellow. So it's yeah. all, all angles like that. You add all these angles into the mix. But again, this thing with Curtis Jones, okay? And I promise you, I'm not being facetious here, yeah? yeah? Casemiro last season was a red card because I seen intent there. His leg was straight and he, he wanted to go in and yeah. not do the guy, but he was being forceful there. Too forceful, yeah. in my opinion. It was a red card. Did you see yeah. the red card last week for Chelsea? Against Villa. Yeah, Malo Gusto. Yeah, yeah, I saw Gusto, yeah. I think that was a red card. Yeah. It was excessive force. The way he went into the player, it was a bit like, oh Jesus, you're the byline, mate. He, yeah. To me, he went out to you do him. Then it's a, it's a red card. But there's people, and I spoke to Dan Two Blues. He's never a red card in a million years. I can, I can see why people think it isn't a red card. Yeah. Did you think it was? I thought Gusto's was a red. Yeah, I did actually think Gusto's was a red card. Like you said, the excessive force that was used. But like you said, when you support a team, it's it's very difficult. You're always going to see the positives in the challenge, like Casemiro, I backed that to the cows come home. That again was given a yellow and they overturned that and made it into a red. So I was saying exactly the same things as you. So I can see why you feel hard done by. But like you said, I think the biggest thing you can draw from it is that the game's being re-refed. This shouldn't be happening. Do you know what I mean? Referees are making decisions, giving their opinions. All decisions like that, apart from factual ones, they're all subjective. Not everybody's going to agree. If you had 20 people in a room and asked the 20 people, it could be a 10-10 split down the middle. 
Well, the most important thing is that the referee's meant to be making the decision and they're not. And anymore. that's the thing, isn't it? When it's a 10 10 split and it can be subjective, just let the ref ref. Yeah, I know. VAR was brought in. I mean, we've seen every single example of VAR yesterday. VAR was brought in for that Luis Diaz goal. Yeah. So the linesman said it's offside. VAR, it was it offside. No, it wasn't. You move so fast, it's not slagging off the linesman. It's a fast game. It wasn't. That's a goal. That's what VAR was created for. We lost the league title in 13-14 against Man City. We got beat 2-1 on Boxing Day, I think it was. Yeah. Raheem Sterling went clean front goal. Honestly, about two metres onside. Scored. Offside. It was horrendous. We lost the, the whole league title on that. And there's been other people. I remember a team got relegated. They scored a goal. I don't know if you remember it back in the 90s. They scored a goal and it went so top corner. You remember that? You know them big loops yeah. on the top corner that make the net? It yeah. hit the stanchion of the loop and bounced back out. And they didn't give the and goal. And it wasn't given. That team got relegated. This Did is it? a multi, multi-million pound business we're in and that team got relegated. Yeah. That's what VAR is in for. VAR should have been brought in to make probably five massive calls a season. That's what it was brought in for. For the absolutely ridiculous, out of order, we need a camera here to sort this out. That cannot, no one with any integrity can let that not happen or let that, let that not be a goal. That's what it was brought in for. And what the refs have done is got hold of it for, how long has it been in for now? Three years, four years? Yeah, They've got a hold of it and they're re-reffing the game, slowing the game down, fixing things that are not broken. I mean, this 10-minute yeah. injury time on every game, where's that come from? That wasn't broken. What are you trying to fix here? Yeah, They've absolutely ruined the game as we know it. I mean, you'll know it now. Even when you score a goal, it's a bit like, yes, let's wait for VAR. Yeah. A minute later. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Delayed. And it's like... Jesus, yeah, I, I, I think it's ruined it. I, I, I don't really like VAR. I think VAR, like you said, if they're getting the factual things wrong, they really are screwed because it was the one thing I thought it would be useful for, which was offside. But they're getting so many wrong now, like the offsides. I don't, I think they need to, if they're going to keep VAR, it should be offsides only. Any bookings that are given for challenges, you shouldn't be able to upgrade them. And you shouldn't be able to downgrade stuff. Like, it's just getting ridiculous now. They need to yeah. clarify that rule. Yeah, exactly. So when it's a challenge like yesterday, Curtis Jones. But there's things like, do you remember John Terry got sent off in the Champions League semi-final? For yeah. giving that, I think he'd give a Barca player a little dig in the yeah in the kidneys. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember and it, yeah. It, To be fair, the linesman did see it and he got sent off. But to mm. me, it should be things like that, out of order, things that no one's seen. Yeah. But challenges, and like you say, when the ref sees it given a decision and manages it, why are we why would you re ref that unless you've got an agenda against the club, which is Liverpool right now? <laughs> I'm absolutely fuming. So, just to and honestly, you yeah. know, football was Curtis Jones a red card? If the others are red cards, it's a red, but like to, to me, like. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I think excessive force, like you said, it's that is quite a difficult thing to interpret. It really is. Like, like you said, it's subjective. You can look at a challenge and say, "Oh, he he's gone to do him," but I don't think with all three challenges, you can genuinely hand on heart definitely guarantee that all three players have tried to do him. I think all three players are quite unlucky. Like 
I'd, I'd probably say Curtis Jones is the most unlucky out of all of them. But, like, if we're talking about what they were saying about the other challengers, not being in control and stuff, I know he couldn't help it, but the moment his foot slips off the ball and lands where it lands, he's literally not in control at that point. So if you're going to send the especially the Casemiro mom, probably a little bit more than the Gusto. But if you're going to send Casemiro, I think if you want to be consistent, then you have to send Curtis Jones off. But again, like I said, VAR should be able to just look at that and see how unlucky he is and just carry on with the booking for me. Because I don't think Casemiro should have been sent off either. That's a, a fair answer. Yeah. And you see, like I say, I've seen them get given. So Curtis Jones, red card, there's not much. He's so unlucky it. though. He's set because when you when you challenge and the and your studs roll off the top of the ball, like you don't know where your leg's gonna go. Like you just yeah. don't you, you, there's nothing you can do. Like, and that's what I'm saying. He's caught him high up, and I felt really sorry for him, to be honest. I know we have banter and stuff, but I did actually feel sorry for him because he's definitely not gone to do it. He's gone to get the ball, foot slipped off the top of the ball, he's caught him on the shin. And he's and he's gone. So it's just it's really unlucky. It's just bad luck. That's I think one of the worst things though was Curtis Jones's reaction. Yeah, he gave the VAR an opening there. He was doing all that head on hands. I didn't mean it. I oh, watch. I, I'm really sorry, mate. He looked really guilty, and it was like Curtis. Yeah, you've probably just sealed your own fate there. Just like. He's probably yes. You made a challenge. He was distraught. I think he was really yeah because he didn't he, he didn't mean it. Um, no. I, th I think the best thing I can say is in normal time that's not a red card. He no. the shape of his foot was to come round the ball and control it away from the defender in slow motion. It does look like a red. Um, yeah. But look, it is what it is. At the end of the day, Liverpool got beat two one, and I just cannot believe it. I mean, the first Spurs goal though. Two minutes after the Luis Diaz goal, I mean, it would have knocked the stuffing out us out of us for sure. But I've got Son in my FPL team. Have you got him in? No, I haven't. No. So I'm not saying I enjoyed it, but obviously I got some <laughs> FPL points. But, <laughs> but what a move! And uh, Richarlison looked really tasty down that left hand side. That mm. might be a new position for him with Son in the middle, Kulusevski on the right. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, and like you said, I think Andrew's done a great job with, with that Spurs team. He's given them a lot of belief. Richarlison's someone that I actually rated and he didn't end up scoring last season, which was quite embarrassing because I backed him to the hill and he didn't have a good goal scoring season last year. But I rate him as a player. There's a lot I like about him. And he's, he's a little bit of a pantomime villain, to be honest. Because yeah, like, I think he can wind people up and opposition fans absolutely hate him. But he plays on the edge. I think Spurs sort of needed that in that game straight after the D Diaz goal. I think the crowd got a little bit of impetus from that because I thought Liverpool were good in the game. I think both sides were very brave, played well. It made for a good spect spectacle. But like you said, once Spurs sort of went 1-0 up, Liverpool responded brilliantly, which we'll get into. But yeah, Son's dangerous. And since he's going down the middle now, I think we're seeing a different side to him, that hungry like getting in the right areas as a striker. Obviously, Kane's done that for so long, but I think he's adapted to playing up front really well. Yeah, he's he's a special, special player, isn't he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Liverpool equaliser, Cody Gakpo, he injured himself. Um, I don't want to tempt fate, touch wood, but it looked like some sort of ACL, like an overstretch mm -hmm. of the knee on the shot or something. It because it, it seemed to it seemed to pop straight away. As soon as he struck it, it wasn't like he ran and then went, oh, what was that? Mm. Straight away, he was holding his knee. They were trying to celebrate with him. And I thought, oh, dear God, don't yeah. be anything serious. But 
Um, but yeah, what a move from Liverpool being down to 10 men. If if we'd have kept 10 men on, I still felt like we had a chance in the game. We might have won it still. Because um, look, Curtis Jones, obviously, he's, he's had a great start to the season, a great end to last season. But with Sabosley and McAllister in the centre and then the front three, Diaz, Gakpo and Salah, anything's possible. I and mean, we were still so much in the game. Um, but I don't know about you. I mean, we'll get on to the Man United game, I'm sure. We've got to have a word yeah, about that. But <laughs> we have to. This is what under the ball was created for. Um, I mean, I watched that game. Obviously, I watch mm. as many Man U games as I can. Um, yeah. But I've said it to you before, and I'm not sure if you think I'm winding you up. There might mm. be a part of me that's winding you up. But you see, when I watch Man United and then watch Liverpool straight after, I'm obviously I'm giddy. I don't know I'm if you giddy. know. I'm giddy. <laughs> I'm giddy when United's finished as well, mate. I want to see some proper <laughs> football, bro. Yeah, no. No, but when you when you get from the Man United, the monotony, the there's no cutting edge, there's no belief. Honestly, there's no patterns of play. And then when you yeah. watch Liverpool, when I've just watched Marcus Rashford walking around with no press, and then I watch Diaz and Nunes and Gakpo and Salah pressing from the front, heavy metal football. I'm so proud of my team, obviously, and I think we are back. But Liverpool, that I mean, you must have loved it as a neutral. The first half an hour, it was exhilarating. The, the one-touch ball playing out from the back, keep us all off the defence. I was thinking, if anything, I was thinking Spurs can't keep this up. So as long as we can keep it at nil-nil or maybe take the lead, we're going to pop these off here. It was, I just thought it was an exhilarating game for the neutral. Yeah, I think the one word I would use is bravery, man. Like Spurs, yeah. the way they're playing now. They don't care who they're playing against. They're going to play the same way and they're going to take it to the opposition. Like you said, starting really fast in games, playing out from the back, playing through the press, in between the lines, so much movement, rotation. That midfield three, Madison, Basuma and Saar, it's just full of energy, in it? Legs everywhere and really good quality as well. And they'll go toe-to-toe with anyone because they've, them two especially, that I mean, Madison's sort of like the icing on the cake, the technique he's got and, the vision and the passing's unreal, but them two are the engine room. Like you said, Liverpool, you, you've said in the past, Liverpool's midfield's always been based upon that sort of that Henderson, Wijnaldum, the legs, the engine room, the, the sort of the cogs that turn and keep Liverpool spinning. That's what Spurs have got now with them two in there. Like, they're just absolute monsters, bro. You can't shrug them off the ball. You can't outrun them. You can't outfight them. And then Basuma's got the tech as well to go with it. So they're but building... Basuma last year? It's like Basuma's turned bro. into the player we all thought Caicedo was. Where was bro, that last season? You must admit, when I said when I said last season, Basuma signing to, to Spurs, I said that would be the signing of the summer. And then you just think yeah. he played. Conte didn't play him, did he? And I was like, what? I was like, why is he not getting a game? I really wanted United to sign him. I thought he was top draw. I've even got receipts on my Twitter. I'll pull them up later. But he's, <laughs> I think he's top draw. But now he's being used in a system that suits him. He just looks so good. He really does look so good. But yeah, like the first half an hour, unbelievable. Just on United, like you were saying, the contrast between the two. I think our fan base are just so brainwashed now because we're so used to seeing what we're seeing at Old Trafford. We're like, oh, no, it's got to be other things. It's got to be the Glazers. We just don't know what ball is anymore. Like, we literally don't know what ball looks like. So then when we see all these other teams, we sort of, like, get confused. Like, what's going on? Like, it's because the world run. And then we just start making all these reasons as to why other teams are playing ball like this. But it's as simple as that. Poster Coglu's gone in, 
to that team. He knows how he wants to play and he's got players that will fit it. And he's just saying, right, this is what I'm going with. Do you know what I mean? First six, seven games, the identity and the blueprint's been the same. He's tweaked it tactically, depending on who he's come up against, but he's put on a really good show in first seven games. So yeah, they must Tottenham fans will, must be buzzing with how he's doing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously I made a, a lazy, lazy assessment of Spurs buying him off Celtic. Mm. I thought there's no point. He might be good, but no manager succeeds at Spurs. And I know it's only seven games in and it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, but I'm eating yeah. my words already because he's got Spurs absolutely flying. And yeah. the one thing about Postacoglu is he's got that likability. Mm. Like everyone likes him. You can just yeah. tell he's, I bet he's great on a night out if we had a pint with him. Good yeah. banter, friendly nature, friendly face. You can yeah. almost see like the the media like him. Everyone's warm to him. Yeah, and we always say it, it can turn around fast in football, can't it? Yeah, it can. And obviously you'll be over and that's Man United soon. Um, mm. But yeah, at the second half, obviously Diogo Jota got sent off. First wasn't a yellow. The second, yeah, it was a yellow, and then we just back. But we must have been thinking, zone. what the hell's going on? Two reds, like. No, by then my by then my head was gone. By then I was like googling phone numbers of solicitors to instruct a solicitor to start criminal proceedings against the FAPG MOL. I thought this is enough now. We we need someone uh, a high up barrister to take this case on now. If it's not Saturday twelve thirty kickoffs after a Europa League game, it's dubious red cards. It's Offside goals that weren't offside. Like, this is getting ridiculous now. Is it four and out of seven games you've had a red this season? We've had four reds in seven games. <laughs> four reds. Two of them weren't a red. Um, one of them I got rescinded. I don't know if Jotters... Can you rescind two yellow cards? I don't know if no, you can. You're not bad. It's a one I game. I don't think man. you can. No, um, I mean, the only lucky thing is really is it's only Jota and it's only Curtis Jones. I mean, Ryan yeah. Gravenberch will slot straight into Jones's place, I'm sure. He's been fantastic in the Europa League and then he was fantastic when he came on yesterday. But yeah, so the second half, we just battened down the hatches. We put on subs, put Trent on, put Canate on, went to a back five with three in front of them of Gravenberch, Endo and Sobosle. And I honestly thought we were going to see it through. I thought you were going to win. Win? Yeah, I thought you were going to win. No, I'm not even joking. Really. I'm not even joking. Like, I thought it had shades of Newcastle all over again. Even with nine men, you were no, still... No, not with nine men. Not with nine men. You were still men. fighting, bro. Obviously, it looked like... But you, you put... Honestly, you can't fault... Obviously, the last the last second winner must have been heartbreaking because you put... Oh, in so I much. felt sick. Yeah, I honestly have. felt sick. I could have spewed. It looked like Joel Matip could have spewed. It looked like Alisson could have spewed. Everyone just, you could almost feel the exhale in the ground. Like, oh my God, the 96th minute. Um, Robertson didn't coat himself in any glory. He turned his back. He could have stopped that cross. He could have mm -hmm. been brave. He turned his back. He didn't see it. Stuck out a leg. He could have stopped that cross. And then Joel Matip, how's your luck? Joel yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, but I think the the worst reaction was probably Allison. He yesterday he is so head and shoulders above any other keeper on this planet. He's absolutely sensational. He's yeah, he's I mean, in his absolute yeah. peak now. That point blank save from um, Son who hit it on the volley. I still don't know how he done it. 
He's okay. he has been. I've, we wrote some some things on Twitter. Do you remember Ramsdale and the charity shield? Yeah, um, with that curled effort. With was it Cole Palmer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. front of Chelsea now. Yeah. And I got on t- Twitter. That's the difference between a top I flight keeper. That. that is, yeah, Ramsdale's decent. He's a solid Premier League keeper, but. Allison says that yesterday he's like flying with his height, his pure mm. stature, his positioning. Everyone knew that Madison was floating that into the top corner. That's the type of thing. So it's positioning, it's awareness of body shape. And he's obviously, yeah, it's moving your feet. Kit. He's just tapping these balls around the corner. He is absolutely at the peak of his powers now. Yeah. So obviously, when Joe Matip rifles one in the top corner from point blank range. I mean, it, it, the ball hit the top corner and flew out and Alisson just punched it up into the crowd. I really felt for him after oh, the 96 yeah. minutes that he played. Yeah. It was just, it was heartbreak for everyone involved. Yeah, it was. And it's these small margins, Trav. These are the things that we've been nipping tuck with Man City for the last five years, barring last season and the season after we won the league when we had a bit of injury yeah. crisis. We've been nipping tuck with Man City one point, two points, come the end of the season, these margins are so tight. So obviously you look at the league and think, well, Man City got beat yesterday, so we're, we're no better off. We got beat Man City, it's the same, so we can almost write the game off. But it isn't when you get into the average season over 38 games. It's these tiny little decisions you need to be that can that cost you a whole league title. I mean, I don't want to get too animated, but that Rodri handball against Everton. Yeah. Uh, two seasons ago, VAR again. Stick on, stick on pen. It, it was most it was a nailed on pen. Yeah, nailed on. There was no deviation. It couldn't have not given get given. It a pen. barely hit any of his sleeve. It hit his actual elbow. We lost the league on that. That yeah. one point. I mean, Everton might have missed the penalty, but they might not have. Yeah. The league we lost in 13-14 with that Sterling offside. It could have won as league. We're talking minute decisions here that humans are making fine margins that now we've got VAR, it's supposed to be ruling these these instances out but if anything, they're happening more and more regularly they're messing up the the technology and as I said earlier it's a multi-billion pound business here we can't be messing around here we can't be getting these kind of things wrong because these are people's hopes and dreams and league titles and it's Look, yeah. At the end of the day, if we get to the last game of the season and we're in for a shot at the league, I would take that right now because obviously last season I thought we're in the mud. Uh, we've started fantastically this season. That's us obviously lost our unbeaten record yesterday in curious circumstances. So as a fan, I've got to get over it like all other Liverpool fans. I've yeah. been on Twitter all day reading all the messages and le- re- all the tweets, and it's like people just can't get over this, and it's the feeling of corruptness. It's the feeling that this is on purpose. Someone has chosen for this. That's what Sometimes you need that, though. You know, like after a defeat, especially in the fashion that you lost, you just need that release, to be fair. And that's where I think in some ways, like Twitter is quite good. It can be toxic at times, but it's good because you like to sort of see everyone's view and, and then it balances off your own thoughts because, you know, if you get in your own head, you just get so vexed with it. I, I've been there more often than not this season, bro. Like you, you've seen how United have been playing, man. It's been awful for me. So I know how you felt yesterday. Like it was a sore one, especially after should have went one nil up. Then the two reds, 
And then to concede a 96th minute own goal when you were firmly in the game and a point would have been a fantastic point there as well. It just mm. felt like a massive kick in the teeth. Well, you'll bounce back, like you said, you've got, I don't know who you, oh, you've got Brighton next week, which will Brighton. be a tough game. But you'll bounce back. The way you're playing this season, you can take a lot of heart with the performances bad at the very least. And I think Liverpool will push on, to be fair. I don't think you've got too much overly to worry about. But Spurs, again, got to give credit to them. They hung in there. I do think Liverpool was slightly the better team. But Spurs, like, hung in there and got, got the rewards. And like you said, they'll be bouncing into the next, next week. Bro, we were much the better team. Mm. Much the better team. I'm not having it. We were slightly a better team. Yeah. And that's why it's so painful that the refs, these humans, ruined what should have been a fantastic occasion. But yeah, yeah coming away from the game, like you say, the also the other point that it might make is it might galvanise the squad. You've seen the players writing on Instagram, like Alexis McAllister mm -hmm. wrote, it's hard against 12 men. Virgil Did van Dijk was right. Yeah, Virgil van Dijk was writing things like, uh, there's not a lot I can say to that. Wow. Um Robinson, so that's the thing it might galvanize them like it's us against the whole league and all the refs let's go on an unbeaten run now for 10 games that was a, the longest unbeaten run currently i think that was 19 games so we've just lost it about yeah. one from last season so yeah let's hope that it it works in a positive for us let's hope gakpo is not anything it, it serious with that injury that you come off apparently he's in a leg brace but hopefully that's just a precaution but obviously the worst case scenario would be an ACL Diogo Jota he'll serve his ban so will Curtis Jones we've got enough strength and depth to see it through um I don't know if this is worthy of a potty of its own but uh <laughs> we've got to talk about Manchester United it's up to you you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, should we just end it? Thanks, everyone. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Travis, I've been yeah. obviously thinking about it a lot in the last 24 hours. I know we've kind of said Ten Hag's made a balls up of his start to Man United career. I know you've kind of hinted towards Ten Hag out as well because you've got to put your balls on the line. We mm. can't just be Magnolia on this podcast and like you say, yeah. oh, I'll probably turn it around. I don't want to say anything that could be held against me or no, do you know what I've likened this to? Go on. Unai Emery at Arsenal. I'm not saying Unai Emery is a bad manager. He's a fantastic manager. I'm not saying mm. Ten Hag's a bad, bad manager. He might be a fantastic manager. But yeah. when you go to a new club, your first, we've said it before, your first 10 signings have to be, eight out of 10 of them have to be an absolute welder. They have mm -hmm. to hit the ground running and be a un absolutely a success without a question i yeah. think he's messed up his manchester united start and i don't think he can recover from this don't you no. um no I, I think yeah like you said the recruitment and that's not saying he's a bad manager no no, no. It, it's almost like in a lot of things in life you get one shot at it first impressions last and all that yeah i think he's messed it up i don't think he'll turn this around either to be honest no just, no 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 it's too, like you said, we just, we haven't got a way of playing and you can't, you can't do that, especially when you've made eight or nine of your own signings, you can't have a lack of playing style or lack of identity. And it just seems all over the place at the moment. There's just so many gaps with how we're trying to play. Brings in a ball playing keeper, we're not playing out from the back. Jamal, one of my friends who I speak to off Twitter quite a bit, he goes to the games a lot and along with like Naz and a few of the other boys and stuff. And he even said, he sent me a voice note today and he was at the game yesterday 
he said Wolves was an even tougher watch than yesterday. But in yesterday's game, he's like, when we're building up, it's like no one's in the lines, like in terms of the, the positioning. It's like everyone's just dead rigid and just stays where they are. Like the right back always stays at right back, the left back's at left back. The players in front are just all in these pockets, not not in between the lines. We don't play through teams. It's just side to side this way. Oh, we can't get in that way. So then we come back out the other side. There's no penetration with our play. Like, I don't care if you've got a squad of players of 30 and you've tried most of your options and you can't get the team to play the way you want to play with all of those players, then, then there's got to be an issue. Do you know what I mean? You can't blame every single individual player. And he was never going to get every single player to play the way he wants to play. But apart from Rashford, Bruno and Varane and the right back, he signed players in every other position in, in just over a year. So I don't know how much more we can give him before we start to see a style of play. I'm not asking for the end, the finished product or the end article, but at least see some of those signs developing. And at the moment, I'm seeing very little at the minute. So it's massively alarming for him. I think that's that's what I'm trying to get at. It's almost like the first things he needs to fix are his mistakes. Yeah, I know. That's the, that's the thing where yeah. I look at it. I think this is on you. This is your mistake. You got in when you've got to do that so early in your Man United career. Like it's almost yeah. like you're a dead man walking. But when I watch them now, this could literally be Oli Solskjaer as manager. Like yeah. what I'm watching, this lack of organization, lack of tactical setup, lack of the patterns of play. That could be Oli Solskjaer. I'm seeing absolutely mm. nothing different. And that's not just me trying to like bait you and wind you up. Yeah. I've said it, I've tweeted it, I've said th this is no better than Oli Solskjaer ball. And that, and the, like you said, if you look down the spine of the team, Martinez, Casemiro are undoubtedly the two upgrades in terms of the players that he's bought. But if you look at the actual rest of the signings, it's it's debatable whether we've actually upgraded anyone in, in the team. Like, when you think about it, we bought two left... Well, we bought Malassia and Regulon. The jury's out as to whether any of them are, like, consistently better than Luke Shaw. I think I think Regulon is just as good as Luke Shaw in his own right. I think Luke Shaw can be quite inconsistent, personally, but his reputation doesn't really suggest that all the time. You look at the rest of the players as well. Obviously, Rashford's still our best attacker. We bought Anthony, we bought Hoyland, and Rashford's on poor form. So, really, we've not really got any top drawer attackers that we can draw on. But, like you said, we've spent money. So, it's not like we haven't spent anything. So, we've literally wasted so much money. Again, like you said, we've not really improved the side as much as we should have with the outlay. So, like you said, the recruitment's a huge issue and there are issues upstairs. But you can have the best director of football in the world and the best ownership. The style of play comes from the manager. It's fact. There's no other way to put it. Well, Ange Postacoglu is absolute proof of that, isn't he? Yeah. Um, Unai Emery at Aston Villa. They're flying. Deserby at Brighton. Like, and Tottenham, Tottenham actually sacked their sporting director in the summer. So, they had a temporary director of football. And Postacoglu didn't have much of a say in the recruitment. And he's just got the squad and coached it the way in, in seven games. And they look like this. 
So you, you, you've got to ask questions like, why can they look like that in seven games and we look like this in 44 games? Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's, yeah, it's a long way back. It's a long way back. And like you said, a lot of people are like, United fans get so defensive about it. Like, oh, how can you be Ten Hag out and all this and that? It's not even saying Ten Hag out. It's just he's rightly being questioned that he might be out of his depth at this level. Like, at pressure mm. on Man United to get results and coach to the identity that Man United fans expect. And that's not playing football like Klopp or Pep, but being exciting, expansive, high-energy performances at Old Trafford, getting the crowd off your seat, wing play. That's what we've notoriously done over the years. We're not sticking to our principles. And I think as a club as well, we've lost our identity a bit. So I think it's a long way back because the manager has to set that precedent. You can have whatever ownership you want. But if you look at Liverpool, they had Kenny Dalglish, Brendan Rodgers, Roy Hodgson under similar ownership. I know Michael Edwards got upgraded to sporting director when Klopp came in. But the difference was, was Klopp set that precedent. He, he demanded those standards from everybody above him and they got in line with him. That's the difference. And Man United need a manager of that sort of level who's going to bring everyone above them if the Glazers are going to stick around to say, right, you're getting on board this project. This is the project. This is how it's going to go. And you're going to buy into it. And I think the fans want the other way, want it to be the other way around. Like we set everything up and it'd be perfect. And then the manager just comes in and just is able to perform because everything upstairs is perfect. Like we've seen so many good run clubs with poor managers and they do nothing. It just, it just doesn't really make as much difference as we're making out. Brentford next. I'm going to pick Man United in last man standing before we head off. Are you picking to win? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got this feeling, honestly, like it's deep in last man standing. We're uh, at the, the seventh team now and there's still about 10 people in it. And I've used up all Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea. And I'm thinking I'm going to go Man United. It's the only one that I can see next week that... Just uh, wait, wait, don't pick yet. When do you have to pick by? Probably by Friday. Wait till the Galatasaray game in the Champions League on Tuesday. Yeah. See what that performance is like and then make your decision. <laughs> Cheers for the inside end. Inside. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. You're right, welcome. Travis. Thanks for joining me and going through the debacle of red card gate, offside gate, Liverpool Spurs. Spurs, you are so lucky. I can't wait till I play you at Anfield. We're going <laughs> to give you an absolute slapping and um, Travis, yeah, unlucky for Man United, but I'm looking forward to more podcasts where we can discuss it. Um, <laughs> Galatasaray match reaction Tuesday or Wednesday night. Yeah, yep I'm, for it. I'm on it. Let's do it. Right. If anyone's made it this far, don't forget to like and subscribe if you're new to the channel. Travis, cheers, mate. Oh, you beauty! What a headshot!